everyone. Welcome back to the podcast. Uh, we're going to have a really fun show for you today. I know it's a good show when I feel like I have too much to say. We have too much to talk about. So I think when doing a little research on today's guest, I came up with a lot of questions that I want to know. So I feel like it's going to be a good show. So let me go ahead and introduce our guest to you today. Coming from Southern California, we have author and artist Michelle Lamb. Welcome to the show, Michelle. Hi, thank you for having me. Oh, glad to have you. Thank you for spending some time with us. Yeah, thanks for, I guess, spending time with me too. No, this is going to be great. And, you know, I, I actually don't know very much about art. And so I wanted to bring along someone who knows something about art, but also someone who's fun to talk with. And I'm always looking for an excuse to talk electric unicycles. So we're bringing back our friend from an episode a couple couple week couple months ago. We're bringing back Hayden the Woo and so welcome to the show again Hayden. Curtis, I I know I'm really excited to chat with you but I'm kind of more stoked on talking to Michelle. If you could just like <sighs> yeah. just you know just a little bit just go to the other room for a minute yeah. and then <laughs> 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 All right. So, hey, everyone, we are talking to Michelle Lamb, who is a story artist. Um, and honestly, I had never. OK, see, Hayden's fist pumping this. I actually didn't really know what a story artist. Can you summarize Bro, what is what? <laughs> Dude, uh, I'm a high school biology teacher by day. So, uh, Michelle, could you enlighten me before Hayden comes on me too hard? Can you enlighten me what yeah. a story artist is? Okay, so a story artist is pretty much the person that's kind of in between the script and what you end up visually seeing on the screen. So basically, we are passed down the scripts from the writers and we pretty much take like sequences or scenes that we're assigned to and then we'll kind of draw it out kind of draw out what is happening visually so what you end up seeing on the screen like how the characters are laid out the composition the camera movements and the characters acting is kind of like decided like by the storyboard artists through their boards and that's kind of then passed on to like the editorial team who edits the videos and and then that will then be passed on to animation. So we're kind of providing the blueprints for uh, the editing and animation teams. Okay. Okay. So there's definitely some creativity and a lot of creativity involved because you're taking someone's just kind of, oh, Johnny runs down the street and meets a monster or whatever like that. And then yep. you take that and turn it into pictures and how it would, you storyboard it out to what it would look like. Yeah, pretty much. So it's like you can say, oh, Johnny sees a monster, but then you have to choose the camera angles, maybe uh -huh. the lighting and like the acting to make whatever the intention behind, oh, Johnny sees a monster is. So it's like if it's a scary moment, the way that you board it or draw it has to kind of convey that emotion. Mm, okay. All right. I'm getting it, Hayden. I'm getting it. <laughs> Dude, she didn't even get to tell you about the super cool arrows she probably has to draw for like how the camera is going to pan into place. Yeah, that's like a whole other element of storyboarding. <laughs> so yeah, basically, so you're almost imagining like you're illustrating it, right? But you're imagining which way the camera is facing close yeah. up or long view. Kind of like as if someone just gave you a book and was like, Here's the story. Now draw it out, except in addition to drawing out, you have to think about the camera moves, think about the movement of the character and kind of think about where each character is going to be positioned in this scene because it can affect either the scenes beforehand or the scenes to come. Dude, it's it's like 10 out of 10 level of like 
I'm just, I, I'm trying not to fanboy super hard <laughs> because when I was in production, I was on the receiving end of concept art and storyboarding. So wow. all of that stuff was like really appreciated. Honestly, we didn't, I didn't have enough concept artists to work with at the time too. So we had to like kind of mash our own stuff in, but having like an actual storyboard artist, it's so much pressure because it's like you have the keys to the kingdom. It can be anything at that point. Of course, yeah. obviously working with director, writers, all that stuff. But like the thing that you make as a story story artist is like so fast. It's always been so fascinating to me because it's like you 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 funnel all this stuff in, right? Correct me if I'm wrong. Mm -hmm. You funnel all this stuff in, all this creativity, all these ideas that people have. You make it real, at least the glimpse of it, and like and it and it guides how all of the rest of pre production is going to start attacking this film or a game or whatever it's going to be. And every single thing, when it hits this point, right, that's the point of like no return. You obviously can go back and like redo, blah, blah, yeah. blah. But that's like, the, that's when the, that's when the head flips. Because yeah. you go from all Concept, of this, it's just yeah. an ether. It's just a maybe it is. And then it hits the point of storyboard, story yeah. artist, storyboard artist, and then it turns into full production. And that intersect has always been absurdly fascinating to me because not only i'm sorry i'm just gonna hype you up for a freaking second oh, oh thank you i appreciate it <laughs> not only curtis do you have to be able to draw well you have to be able to draw fast and you have to be able to think critically a hundred percent of the time and when it comes to art like 70 again correct me if i'm wrong 75 percent of it maybe 50 to 75 percent of the work is all in that planning like initial yeah. like layout phase and then detailing you can just kind of just turn on a podcast you know you're just doing your lighting pass you're just doing your outline pass all that stuff it's beautiful but you know it's like just it, work you, yeah, it's, it's just, work yeah. it's work work but when it comes to like translating an idea onto paper like with that blank slate that's like that's mecca that's like meta hard that's the thing yeah and if michelle messes up everybody in the chain feels it that's that's not at all how it is yeah well it's, it's really definitely cool. true like once you have a locked like animatic everything once the animatic is locked usually storyboard artists kind of roll off the project by that point so it's like yeah if you end up like needing a storyboard artist after the animatic is Something locked and you wrong. find out like oh we need like to either remove a prop or add a prop it's just like all hell will break loose okay maybe not that dramatic but it's just like yeah for the most part i will say nowadays storyboard artists do have a lot more responsibilities compared to before like in the past it used to be like you just draw a few pictures you just put it on index cards on a wall and just you just need one image to represent everything but nowadays i will say storyboard artists have to carry so much more weight with like yeah. literally providing the whole guideline for the rest of the film so yeah all right all right so michelle has worked uh with uh netflix or tonko house yeah. which is a kind of is a part of it it's owned by netflix or contracted so what basically netflix just kind of works with or collaborates with i guess different animation studios so Tonko House is not a part of Netflix, but they were just working with them together for that one project I was on. Okay. And Skydance, is that right? Yeah. Skydance Animation is where I currently am right now. Okay. And so you are working with uh, 
multiple projects at once or you just do one at a time? How does this go? So when it comes to animation, I'm usually just work. I only have ever worked on one project at a time. But while I'm working in animation, I also juggle all the other things right. like my book and comics uh -huh. and social media alongside with it. Yeah. Hey, speaking of books, this episode is dropping on March 21st. 2023 and i believe that is the official launch date of michelle's first graphic novel called Ooh. mish the bad dini yeah. <laughs> all right are you excited what's happening is this like the exci most exciting week of your life what's going Honestly, on i would say i don't even know how to feel because this is my first i guess officially published graphic novel and i don't really know like what to expect and I feel like when you think about, oh, having to make money with your art nowadays, you're just like, oh, well, I hope it does somewhat well in sales. And that can sometimes, or like even book ratings, it's just like, oh, you start to be concerned about uh -huh. numbers. So you are just like, well, I hope it goes well. I'm just going to be glad that maybe I'll pass by it in a Barnes and Nobles or something. <laughs> yeah. So I guess like the fact, I guess I'm most excited about potentially passing by my book, maybe in a Target or maybe a Barnes and Nobles, <laughs> yeah. like, you know, places I frequent to. But in terms of just like, I guess the fact that it's coming out, it still doesn't really feel like it's happening. <laughs> and it's yours. It's yeah. yours. It's, it's purely yours. I know. I'm still trying to like, I don't know, process that. And I'm like, oh, well, what if, what if it doesn't have a good reception and then now I have to be associated with this book yeah, kind of thing? No, yeah, I know. There's a lot of, there's, I'm sure there's a lot of, because it's been done for a while, right? You finished it a while ago. Yeah, it's been done for a while. And the idea is kind of something I came up with almost four years ago now. Uh -huh, and I feel like uh -huh. as an artist, you're just super critical about your right. work. And especially when it's older work, you're just like, I could do so much better now. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Sure, <laughs> yeah. Sure, yeah. Yeah. But we'll talk more about the actual book in a minute. Um, but let's get, do you mind if we take it back, like all the way back to childhood, yeah, birth, ancestors? All right. So you are Chinese American. Yep. And I think I read that your roots are in Hong Kong. What? How much, how much farther back can you go? Do you know if you have roots in China at so all? Or? I did 23 and me like a long okay. time ago. I don't know how accurate this is because I get emails saying it changes every year <laughs> but predominantly my family from what i know from their knowledge that they told me is that we're from hong kong but on 23 and me it says I, I have some vietnamese heritage okay. and some general northern asian background so <laughs> but they don't specify it so i don't know but Throughout my whole life, I've only really recognized myself as being like my family's from Hong Kong. I speak Cantonese at home or well, not at home anymore because I've literally only been speaking English. It was mostly with my grandparents I spoke Cantonese with. And yeah, that was I mean, my grandpa was kind of Taishanese, but uh -huh. I did not understand yeah, yeah, yeah. much of it. So, yeah. <laughs> You hyak fan? Do you hyak fan? Yeah, I, that's the only phrase I can kind of recall and say. There you go. And and you grew up in New York or what? where did you grow up? Yeah, so I originally grew up in Queens and then we eventually moved to Long Island. And then after that, I moved to Los Angeles. Cal Arts, yeah. Yeah, yeah. well, not exactly Los oh. Angeles at first, I guess, but eventually Los Angeles. Eventually, LA. Southern Cal, Southern Cal. Yeah. Um, and so when you were a kid, uh, and Hayden, you can chime in on this too, were you 
Were you a super visual person? Were you always doodling? Were you always drawing? Yep, that was me. I was the kid in class who was, I was paying attention, but I would still be doodling. But then people would, or my teachers would yell at me for doodling, thinking I'm not paying attention, even though for me, I was like, this is helping me pay attention even better. Right. <laughs> because it's like, for me, I feel like when I can do something physically, my ears are more likely to stay focused. Like listening to a podcast when I'm drawing or listening to music, I feel like I'm just a better listener when I'm doing something with my hands. So although I was ridiculed for it, I still appreciate the fact that I was able to still stick with it and still draw at the end of the day and make a living oh yeah. dude i totally feel that man like i go yeah. into meetings with like a fidget cube i even have one like right here i just i'm always like touching or moving something around my mom does the same thing we have mad adhd it's like 10 generations of needing to to <laughs> fiddle non-stop and yeah. can't pay attention unless there's five things happening at once I know. Yeah. Every time I'm like at a social gathering with people and we're like talking by the end of the night, I'm always like either ripping up like the paper straws, like covers or like napkins around <laughs> yeah. me. I feel yeah. like I need to just be doing something while talking to people. Yeah. Yeah. Were you like in high school just doodling your way through school and then you said, you know what I want to do is do this for a living? Yeah. So I just knew I wanted to do something with drawing. And I think it got to a point where I realized all I was drawing was really just anime. But if I wanted to make a living with art in America or the States, I had to start adopting some of the Western style. <laughs> yeah. So eventually, I really forced myself out of just drawing anime, which, you know, I don't think there's anything wrong with anime. I do think that, you know, you should maybe diversify yourself, but still hold on to anime if that's a style you enjoy drawing in. So I then branched out and then eventually got accepted into the school from that. And then once I got to the school, it was pretty much like just, I guess, like a very intense experience. But overall, I'm very grateful for it. I just knew I wanted to go to a school that was going to kind of hold me accountable to making my own projects. And at that school, you kind of have to make one student film every year and finish mm. it. And one of my biggest problems as an artist at home was, you know, it was still a hobby to me because I was only a student, but it's not like, oh, I have complete full finished projects because I'm just a high school girl. And I used to think I was, I was capable of completing a whole like series or production. But then I realized that I was just one person and that's not how things are done. And even though in school, you still, you still kind of make your film on your own. There's still a lot of collaboration behind it. Hayden, did you think about CalArts? Did you think about doing animation? It CalArts isn't a school you can just think about and then walk into, bro. Because <laughs> <laughs> yeah, actually, that's why were... I went to my terrible for-profit school uh -huh, uh -huh. and taught myself. But it's I, <sighs> I, I am not. I'm not Michelle, bro. Michelle oh, was drawing before, and I, I didn't draw you until college draw, yeah. because I was supposed to because I had nothing else to do. Yeah, Like, that's why I'm a generalist now, because it turns out I just like doing a ton of different things in, in the production pipeline, whereas Michelle's is like, literally like, okay, actually, I kind of want to bring it back to the anime conversation just for yeah. a minute. Yeah, <laughs> okay. Yeah. Okay, you know when people like start drawing anime right like they start out and it's like the thing that inspires them it's the thing is like oh i can't wait i can't wait like i i love these eyes i love the hair i love the nose yeah. that's basically a line like 
minimal <laughs> shading, like too true chiseled jaw. You're like, that looks great. But when we're kids, right? When we're kids, when we're high school, we don't understand that a lot of the people that draw this stuff, they can draw humans like perfectly, perfectly. And, the, mm -hmm. and an anime and manga look is like a perfectly summarized version of the human body in a style to yeah. aesthetic yeah 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 and so i was actually kind of curious like michelle like what what part of your process like when you were you were trying to appeal more to western audiences for the sake of career and also education and stuff like that um and you probably never lost your anime manga roots but like was it difficult for how difficult or what was that transition like from like starting cartoony and then like probably flipping back into like having to learn like accurate anatomy accurate you know mm -hmm. with charcoal stuff and then back to like this totally different style but then like uh, have you also have you also gone back and played mm -hmm. around with with the manga with the anime look now that you have the the proper proper tool set yeah, yeah. so that I it's so funny because I feel like I don't remember where in my Tumblr when Tumblr was a thing. <laughs> I had a very specific post where I actually stated that I will stop drawing anime and just like announced it to all my followers. I was like, from now on, I'm going to draw Western to just make it into art school. And yeah. it was like a whole thing, even though maybe only like 15 people saw it and that was it. But like, to me, I was just like, I'm going to announce it to make it legit that I am moving on from anime for now, but I'll be back later. Maybe who knows? Uh -huh. So I kind of took a moment. And then when I was applying to Cal arts, I was like doing a lot of these exaggerated styles I guess I think the thing that drew me to the anime or manga style when I was younger was because I felt like the artists never always were really great with showing more nuanced emotions or like kind of emotions that weren't just like silly things in which at that time a lot of American cartoons were either like Disney or some like Looney Tunes Warner or something Brothers, that's yeah, like yeah. silly and that has never really I would say inspired me as a kid like when it came to art maybe like Disney stuff with the animals would inspire me more so than like you know the other stuff but then it was mostly like Pokemon or anime that really made me want to draw just because I don't know something about the style really was good at showcasing emotion and I just remembered a phase in my life where all I drew were just a spectrum of like eyes being sad, angry, mad, happy. So I think I was a little bit sad to kind of have to put that away, not saying that Western styles don't show nuance, like they definitely do. But I just think I needed to go to the other extreme to just know what it was yeah. like. So there was a phase where I would be doing yeah. like googly eyes or like dot eyes. And I was like, this is something I'm not used to doing, but you know, got to do it for the job. Literally the equivalent of method acting. Yeah. Like, oh yeah. my God, dude, I do the same thing. You got to learn something and you got to like you, whether it's for a client, for an industry or for yeah, whatever, become you it. just have to commit. <laughs> yeah. Like you got to, you pick up the PDFs, you watch the YouTube now, or you like, you go through all of the reference. Like when we were making Red Dead, um, I watched probably 70 West Spaghetti yeah. Western movies. Yeah. yeah. Like, yeah. and I would like leave them on while I was working too. Like it, wow. you know, is, but it's, and when you like make that announcement to the world too, it's like, oh, I'm gonna do it. It's like, it's mostly for you, but like yeah. if you don't, then there's no pressure, yeah. you know? Yeah, exactly. 
So yeah, I pretty much had to explore the opposite extreme. And I think once I got accepted into the school, I thought at first everyone would just hate anime or like think bad of it. But then it turned out that a lot of people mm -hmm. in the school were really open and accepting of it. It was even taught in a lot of our classes oh. to study like Hayao Miyazaki and like a yeah. lot of other Asian films too. Like I think we even watched some of like Itman in one of my classes or whatever. <laughs> and I was just like, oh, I guess like Asian influences and anime is actually like becoming a thing. And I didn't, it was actually kind of a big deal for me if like anything anime related was shown on the screen because for the longest time, I was like, oh, this is the style that's shunned upon. And then that's kind of like when I started accepting, like, you know what? I really miss drawing anime and like <laughs> edgier styles instead of this like really cute googly dot-eyed Western stuff, which that's kind of when the mixture of the two happened was now that I've kind of explored both extremes. I think one of my student films, I was just like, I just want a film that will just be very easy for me to draw. And once I got a hold of drawing the anime and Western style, I was just like, just the mixture of both became my yeah. comfort zone. So then I just are, made yeah. a film totally in the anime Western mix. And that's kind of the style that I've kind of been running with ever since. Yeah. Dude, that's how it happens. Yeah. And just to have another tiny little rant for our up and coming artists. Um, the best way to find your own style, again, you know, correct me if I'm wrong, the best way to find your own style is to literally mash your head, maybe figuratively, <laughs> figuratively mash your head into the wall of every single kind of thing that you can make, even yeah. especially the things that you're super uncomfortable with. Because when you do that, you end up creating this giant palette that your brain starts to get to pull different little like you you start treating your line of action differently or you start you know dipping into like the magentas we never really touched before or you're like oh now i'm just gonna put motion blur on everything all the time or like my line weight's gonna change now because i've studied like what they're doing in france those animators can go they are so good it is frustrating yeah oh my god but yeah you just take a little bit of something and everything and that's how you like build your style um so you know it's it's just also pet peeve you know those students who like walk around i love students yeah, yeah. You know those students who walk around is like it's my style i'm like bro you've been drawn for six months <laughs> oh yeah. wow yeah you've it's been actually, drawn for six months you yeah. don't know what you're talking about <laughs> it's funny i just came back from a talk for an art school and i was like just talking to the teachers after doing the talk and i was like what do you think is the number one mistake that art students make and one of the faculty was just literally like they only allow themselves to be inspired by one thing and not mm -hmm. enough things in which you know i also had that tunnel vision as a kid i used to only like anime but then i kind of allowed myself to be inspired by multiple things that includes anime and then now we have a happy little mm -hmm. i don't know sweet spot and sometimes it just like you need to write meet the right person that like shows you why that thing is inspiring yeah. too, right? Like I didn't yeah. care about westerns at all until I met my art my first art director, and he like really opened. He like he was like, but it's amazing because of this and this and this. And you're like, oh, that is amazing. I mean, you're paying me <laughs> yeah. to you're paying me to tell me it's I'm yes, yeah, I'm gonna agree yeah. with you, but I'm like, yeah, it is amazing. That's yeah, like, that's really cool. But like, if even if it's if it's anime or spaghetti westerns or whatever the heck that you really like. Even the fact that the thing you love it so much that it inspired you to even start and like even pick up the pen at all, like that's obviously like I feel key. Mm -hmm. Like all that other stuff can come, but like it's so cool. 
no matter what, if you like Homestuck, if you like, I'm just trying to think of Tumblr memes at this point. Oh my point. god, yeah, I was just like, oh my god, Homestuck, I have not heard that in like years. <laughs> if you like anything, whatever inspires you to draw, period, that's what's most important. Step yeah. two, watch more than two things. Yeah, agreed. Yeah, I think we talked a little bit about it already, but uh, Michelle's also very active on social media. It's kind of like your second job or second, third, and fourth, and fifth job. Yeah, and then it goes on and on, <laughs> and it becomes like my 76th job. Yeah. She is at Mew Tripled, which I didn't know what it meant, but I found it. It's from Tokyo Mew Mew, where you were yeah. Mew Doubled before. <laughs> Yeah, so that username has been stuck with me since I was 11 years old because I was literally, I'm 27 now and I'm still living with my 11-year-old decisions. But I remembered, you know, one of my aunts or uncles got me Tokyo Mew Mew, the comic book, and I was just reading it and I was like, oh my God, I love this book. This is the shit. And then ever since then, I was like naming all of my usernames like Mew Doubled because I was like, oh, two Mews is Mew Doubled. And then everyone kind of thought I was talking about Pokemon the Mew, which is, you know, I mean, I do love Mew as well, but the original intention was Mew Mew, which is Mew Doubled. And then one day I was like, I'm just going to change it to Mew Tripled when I was like maybe 14 or 15. <laughs> and then I think I just stuck with that username and I was already posting my art online yeah. at that time. And then I just heard this one social media tip from some person, which might not even be relevant anymore, but they were like, oh, you should keep your username so that people remember you. Otherwise, they'll just forget you and yeah. not know who you are. So then I was like, oh, okay. And I followed and I stuck with it. And I'm sure right now, if I were to change it to like Michelle Lamb, it doesn't matter. <laughs> but I'm just like, I already got too deep into this. Like, I yeah. can't, like, it's too late. For you're me. in it. No, you're 400 something thousand on Instagram. Oh my God. Something thousand on YouTube. So everyone look up Mew Tripled on Instagram, YouTube. Are you TikTok too? Um, I'm not really that active on TikTok, but I might start to oh, eventually. No. So I kind of include it because it's kind of like you got to have it as a backup nowadays. Yeah. And you need more jobs. I think you need yes, like a 78th and 79th I know. Job. I know. I need more. <laughs> so we have, and I love it. I actually recommend it to my students who are interested in art. I'm like, hey, go check this out because Michelle talks about a lot of things in the art industry like, let me throw out a couple topics here. Like, how to make money as a full-time artist. A social media strategy for artists. 35 different animation jobs. How I got my job at Netflix. These are just, like, these are things that people want to know. And you're there. And yeah. you're super honest. Do you ever feel like you... I don't I don't think you do, but do you think you ever overshare? And you're like, oh, man, I, I might should not have said that. Or I definitely do feel like there were moments I may have overshared, but the thing is, I feel like once I upload a video, I just watch it once and then I never watch it again. Just leave it so out then there. I'll kind of forget what I talk about. I'll like know the general topics I talked about, but I'll forget how I worded the sentence or how much details I shared. I think when I first started and I was younger, I may have overshared just because I was like younger and I thought that honesty and authenticity is the best policy. But I feel like <laughs> nowadays, sometimes you can be leaning a little bit too much to oversharing if you're like too overly authentic. And I'm just like, 
for an educational channel, there's some things that I don't know if people need to know. So yeah, I guess yeah. like, I don't know, nowadays, I feel like, you know, I kind of keep it more of just like, these are the facts. This is just what I know. This is my experience. And that's it. Yeah. Do people expect you to be exactly like how you are on your videos? And they go, hey, Mew Triple, you know, and they expect you to be that person. And maybe uh, you're not. Or <laughs> I I don't know. I think when I meet people in real life, I try to just keep it professional as well. I think one thing I noticed was in the beginning when I first started YouTube, like kind of ever, and I eventually started posting sketchbook videos, like I would just talk as if I was talking to my friends. And sometimes I would insert a curse word here and there, but it's like nothing crazy. And then I think re more recently with the whole YouTube, like censoring like curse words or any uh -huh. bad words nowadays i'm just like i'm just not gonna curse anymore in my videos even though in real life like obviously everyone lets out a bad word here and there but then i think somebody eventually watched one of my old videos and was just like i can't i can't imagine michelle cursing and i'm just <laughs> like this is me in real life uh -huh. but i gotta filter myself for the education <laughs> <laughs> yeah yeah I think you've mentioned that at conferences or, you know, whenever you're meeting people in person that a lot of people come up to you and say, hey, I wouldn't have thought about art school if it wasn't for you or, you know, you helped my career or, you know, what kind of feedback do you get from people? Yeah, I think it's usually very similar to that. I think, well, that's the reason why I started my YouTube was because I was always wondering, nobody talks about what it's like working either as an artist or animation. And it wasn't really a thing people talked about. So whenever I get, I guess, like comments or feedback, it's like, oh, this is the stuff that I was like, was looking for or like needed to know, but like couldn't find anywhere else or like things, especially about how artists get paid or, you know, how much they should be getting paid or what types of careers out there exist. Because every time I sit in an Uber ride with someone, they're just like, what are, what do you do for a living? And I'm like, oh, I'm a story artist. And they're like, oh my God, what is that? And I'm just like, yeah, not, I don't feel like most people know like the specific jobs and animation or even some art jobs. So I was like, okay, let me just, I guess, be the seed and just start some of that conversation yeah. on YouTube alongside with other, you know, artists who are also now sharing their experiences too. Do you think, do you think an artist has to be on social media nowadays? Like if, if you want to be an artist, do you almost have to have an account? I mean, no, nobody has to have one, but I do think it's highly recommended for discoverability. I think even with portfolios nowadays, your social media is kind of like the gateway to then eventually find your portfolio. I think even recruit, well, I know a lot of recruiters that also have social media to find artists, but it's uh. also how I was able to gain a lot of my opportunities. Like my book is literally because my editor just saw mm. me posting on Instagram. I'm able to, you know, make money off of my YouTube and sometimes on Instagram as well, or convert like my Instagram posts into books to eventually sell and stuff like that. So I feel like it would be very beneficial to have social media, but I also understand if artists choose not to for like mental health reasons. Hey, good good segue. Um, we are going to talk about Mish the Bad Demon. And it's kind of a play on words, right? Because uh, it's kind of a double negative, right? Because demons are supposed to be bad. So if you're yeah. a bad demon, you're actually not bad. You're actually good. So don't worry, parents. It's not a yeah. demonic book where there's things with, well, there are there are characters with red eyes, but it's not like, mm -hmm. you know, there's not like a really, really dark, dark 
book. It's very uplifting and very fun. Huge congrats on getting Thank it published. You. And uh, shout out to Joey. He sent me a copy of it. So I have a copy oh in front God. of me. <laughs> Thank you, and Joey. My, yeah, well, and my... um. My daughters are 10 and 12 years old, so I think we're right kind of in that demographic. And oh, I gave, gave them a read, and they liked it as well. And you've been selected. Uh, you've gotten starred reviews from Publishers Weekly and School Library Journal. Yeah. So you're blowing up a little, a little early. I, I, yeah, on. I honestly... It was funny because I didn't know what a starred review was. And like my editor and agent sent me an email being like, Oh, congrats, you got a starred review. And I thought it meant like five stars like on Yelp. And I was like, okay, let's see the stars. But like, like I, no I, I only saw like one star and I was like, what What does that mean? And then I Googled it and then I found out what it meant. And I was like, oh shit, that's really cool. What the heck? Yeah, yeah. And so coming out today, technically, uh, when this episode drops, is coming out today. You can find it hopefully in your local bookstore. If your local bookstore doesn't have it, let them know that you want to see it on the shelves. But obviously, it's going to be available online as well. Um, uh, Mishu, uh, not me, Michelle, <laughs> do you mind giving us a quick uh, summary of the book? Yeah, so Mish is basically a story about a demon girl named Mish who is born in the world of the demons known as Mount Magma. But she has like this appreciation for fairies, which is, you know, one of the things that not all demons like. So it's very weird that Mish, who is born in a world that's kind of like dark and more grungy, is into these beautiful, whimsical things. So when chaos ensues in her home, she's kind of forced to leave it and finds help from the fairy world that she always dreamed of meeting. And then she kind of embarks on this adventure with an unexpected group of friends to eventually save her home while also finding love for herself. Yeah, it's a it's a complicated world that you created. Is this a world that you've kind of... Like I've I've noticed some of your earlier works also kind of demon succubus kind of related work. Is this the kind of a world that you've always liked and always kind of fantasized about being part of? I guess like I don't know if I ever thought about wanting to be a part of this world. I guess it just kind of is my fictional reflection of what I feel like the world is kind of like. The reason why I feel like I choose demons as the characters that I mostly go. A that I mostly tell stories about is because it originally started with the fact that, you know, I felt like women tend to be really like demonized for just like doing things or if they're just existing and they like something that's just like pink, you know, at least when I was growing up, it'd be like, oh my gosh, why do you like pink? Why do you like these girly things? Or that it would just be like uh -huh. so belittled to enjoy things that are feminine. So I felt like, you know, females, girls had this, demonization towards them and then i just started drawing this comic about a girl who's just a demon but like you know she's a demon she's not bad she's just living her life but it's kind of society that creates the horns on her i guess so i think i wanted to then eventually just create a middle school version of it that's just <laughs> like okay i'll kind of tone down the adult themes that i post on my instagram and then make one more for like you know People like, what story would I have wanted to tell my middle school self when I was 12? Uh -huh, and uh -huh. that's how Mish, Mish and that world came to be. Are you, did you grow up with graphic novels? You're kind of in that era, right? The the era where graphic novels just kind of became library shelf staples. Yeah, pretty much. So I grew up always pretty much borrowing manga from the library or even just like some comic books. Like 
I grew up uh, American born Chinese right. and some other books like Mouse when I was in school. Uh-huh. And I guess like at the end of the day, I just really enjoyed illustrations being a part of books because for right. me, I just had an appreciation towards the decisions artists make to tell stories. And I always felt like, you know, comics always made people feel like, oh, you're you're like dumb or something because you can't read a book just only of words. So I always was like, oh, maybe I shouldn't like be proud of the fact that I like <laughs> comics. But then now I'm just like, you know what? I love comics. Comics are great. Yeah, yeah. Did you have... Like, I was kind of thinking of other examples of misunderstood characters who kind of like, okay, this is an ancient, ancient example. Does anybody in this call know Casper the Friendly Ghost? Oh, yeah. Yep, I actually do. (laughs) Okay, okay. Super old, but it was kind of like that, right? Everyone's afraid of him and everyone thinks he's terrible, going to be terrible, but he's really just a super nice guy. Can you think of any, like, Michelle, what, what was your kind of inspiration for this character who on the surface or by outward appearances might be someone to be afraid of, but on the inside, you know, the heart of gold and the and the friendliness? I mean, I feel like for me, there wasn't like a particular like character that inspired me. It was kind of more of the idea of of maybe like there are groups of people that are constantly like being stereotyped or people generalize certain groups, whether it be based on your like heritage, your sexual identity, or just your gender or something like that. Anyone is just judged for that before people even get the chance to know who they are. So I feel like I was more inspired by just problems that already exist in society. And I was I was just like, you know, we demonize a lot of things we don't know. And in my story, it was going to be about a girl that is a demon who... Literally demonized. Yeah, literally. <laughs> yeah, you almost had like too much, you had too much to pull from. Yeah, what exactly. was it? Was it hard like narrowing it down to like think, the things you really wanted to talk about the most? I guess for me, the thing that specifically eventually inspired me was because I made Mish literally when the pandemic began. And that was also (laughs) when there was a rise in Asian hate crimes. And in a way, I was just like, this really reminds me of, Uh, you know, the fact that Asians are kind of being demonized in this moment. And particularly me, I'm a girl and I've had experiences of being demonized just for being female or something like that. And then, you know, Asian and female together kind of then created Mish and just slapped the horns on her. And that's kind Mm -hmm. of what happened. Yeah. I, speaking of that, I did notice a couple subtle nods to Asian culture. Like, it seems like Misha's raised by her grandma. Is that correct? Yep. And and she has a Chinese name and there's a Chinese character, Su Yin or someone in one of yeah. her classmates in there. And some subtle nods. I mean, it's not in your face. Like, okay, we're, this is a Chinese person or something like that. Yeah, exactly. It actually kind of brings me back to that first conversation we had with everything everywhere all at once was I did want to make a story that did appreciate my, you know, Chinese American heritage, but I also didn't want to make like a straight up Asian American story, I guess. It was just one of those things where I was like, I wish that more Asians can just make stories just about anything, like the most random thing. It doesn't have to be about yeah. your immigration to America. It doesn't right. have to be about 
following the American dream. I was just like, I just wished like you could just make a story about two random, I don't know, birds or something in Texas and you're, yeah. you just happen to be an Asian creator. And that's kind of one of the things I really wanted to hold on to was I still want to appreciate my Asian American identity, but I still want to make a book without feeling pressured. Like I only have to talk about that in order to be validated as an Asian American artist. Yeah. Yeah. No, I God, thought it was great. I think when Chloe Zhao made Nomadland, I think that yeah. was also another kind of monumental thing for Asians because it was like, this was a film where you probably would have never guessed that someone who was Absolutely. Asian made this, but it's just something like that is what I kind of aspire to do more of. It's just being able to make stories without like, I will want to make a story eventually, I guess, more directly about my Asian American background, but it's just like, I don't want to only have that be the only bubble I have to make stories about. Yeah. Yeah. No, that's very cool. And and I think we're at the point where audiences are okay with it, you know? Like yeah. before, I, I think maybe 10, 15, 20 years ago, the audience is like, okay, well, you're a Chinese American director, so this movie's going to be about Chinese Americans, right? And so lately, we're starting to see Asian directors, Asian actors, Asian creators create things that maybe have a little aesthetic or maybe a nod to Miyazaki or some little influences, but it's not necessarily in your face. Like, okay, we're going deep into Asian culture yeah, here. exactly. Yeah. Slowly being normalized. Uh, yeah, huge. go figure. We're actual people with Woo, dimensions. What a discovery. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I think that was the take from everywhere. Everything everywhere all at once was that, yeah, these are Asian characters and they're, they're, they might have problems that are kind of, but it isn't, yeah, it, I don't know. I, I summarized it before, but I mean, it's just kind of not necessarily um, a movie about Asians. It's a movie with Asians, you know? Yeah, yeah. I definitely feel like at the end of the day, the core theme was just like about love and stuff and parents. Yeah, it was just, it was just cool. Yeah. All right. So, hey, good luck with the book. And everyone out there, go get a copy of it. It should be available. As you're listening to this podcast, it should be available at a store near you or definitely at a computer near you. You can get Mish the Bad Demon by Michelle Lamb. Um, you also have some other stuff on Etsy. Uh, also, Mew Tripled on Etsy. Yep. You can find some of your succubishes. Uh, yep. Some of my more adult stuff. <laughs> A little bit more adult, um, self-print, self-published, self those books. Yeah. yeah, those are self-published. And those are just like comics that you can just find on my Instagram as well. But just for my personal satisfaction, I wanted to have physical copies of them too. Yeah, yeah. Very cool. And small little eight by eights. Yeah, they're small. Yeah, small books. They're, they're small little books that you could just put in your purse, honestly. There you go. All right, Michelle Lamb, you have survived our difficult and random questions. It is now time for the lightning round. You down to do this? Yep. All right. What is your favorite animated movie, series, or manga? So I think my favorite animated film of all time to this day is still probably Princess Mononoke from uh -huh. Studio Ghibli. Like, yeah. I still think about it, and it still continues to inspire me, even though I watched it when I was, like, 12. Yeah. Yeah. Now that movie, I think that was my first Miyazaki movie as well. Yeah. And within I was, the yeah. yeah. 
the first two minutes, you're just like, what? <laughs> I know. I was so just like, wow, good. violence yeah. already. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Violence and then themes. And there's been so many knockoffs on it, you know, but it's just such, it's the original. It's the original. Yeah. Uh, all right. So Mish discovers a bunch of hidden powers that she didn't know she had. Uh, I'm going to ask you two questions here. So if you had a superpower, any superpower, what would that be? And the second one is, what actual superpower do you think you have? So the superpower I wish I had was in the snap of a finger. I could just be anywhere I want in the Uh, world or anywhere ever without having to go on a plane. It would just make all of my long distance relationships with friends so much easier. And I love traveling. And the only thing between me and going to the place is the traveling part. So And the money. (laughs) Yeah, exactly. And then I would say the real life superpower I actually have is I feel like I, I can sleep within like the second my head hits the pillow. Like I never really struggle with sleeping. Everyone is always like, I'm so jealous that you could just go to sleep. Like anytime, like I'm like going to bed at a sleepover, I'm usually the first one out and everyone's just like, I'm ready. (laughs) She's already down. What happened? That is an actual superpower. I have like a 10 step, process to just coax myself uh, into being in a sleepy state every night oh my it's gosh. terrible i have like 10 different bottles of different sleep aids oh literally my on my nightstand can i extract something do you have a juice i wish a- i could i actually don't know why i fall asleep so easily i'm just like am i that exhausted from the day i actually have a thing that i recently discovered is called sleep revenge where i have to force myself to stay up because sometimes i want to like you know just watch a movie sometimes yeah i want to just browse the internet and be like a degenerate for just a moment but like my body just won't let me and i just am gone oh no <laughs> i have the opposite problem i revenge all the time oh, it's even like i'll just hang out in discord with all my friends and it's very clear all of us even actively say the word we're revenging right now right like, yeah yeah we're all gonna not be able to go to work it's gonna suck but we're in it together yeah. Oh my gosh. Better. At least you have a community for support. For no, that. it's worse because then we don't want to go to sleep. What are you talking about? <laughs> well, I wish you all the best of luck. I wish I could send over a little potion or something. Yeah. yeah, I was thinking that since you're such a visual person that your mind would be racing, you know, doing storyboarding in your mind for your life, you know? Honestly, I would think the same too. I will say when I was a kid, I did stay up a lot later and I used to be more hyperactive, like mentally, but I really don't know. I think ever since college, that's kind of when I noticed, hey, it really doesn't take me that long to fall asleep. And I don't know. I was just like, wow, that's pretty cool. (laughs) That's awesome. an actual superpower. It's way better than, it's way better than Jumpers starring Hayden Christensen, I think. (laughs) Yeah, yeah, yeah. All right, you have your choice here, Michelle. Do you want to do a Peruvian food question or a Tokyo Mew Mew question? Oh, my God. Well, I did come back from Peru like less than a year ago, so I will choose the Peruvian question. So with your newfound superpower of being able to teleport anywhere in the world, if you were to teleport to Peru, what food would you like to ingest? I mean, I love ceviche. It's like Mm. one of my favorite dishes. I am someone who I love like raw fish. I love sushi. I love poke. I love, I don't know, anything that's citrusy Uh and bright and somewhat sour. And that's just what ceviche is all in one go. And 
that's just what I would go for. Yeah, sounds good. You know, let's just do the Tokyo Mew Mew question while we're here, too. Now, I know okay. nothing about Tokyo Mew Mew, but um, I read a little summary. So Ichigo is exposed to a mysterious ray that meshes her DNA with an in- endangered Iromote wildcat. If yeah. you could be fused with any animal, what animal would you want to be fused with? Okay, hold on. I have to look up the animal because I recently just saw it. But don't worry, I'll edit this. Is it the shrimp that can make bubbles that are as hotter than the surface of the sun? Is that the mantis shrimp? I think so. You're the biology guy, man. You tell me. I think it is. I guess you did. So there's this giant antelope called the Eland. I don't even know if that's how you say it, but it's this giant antelope. And unfortunately, I saw a taxidermied version of it. (laughs) But when I saw it, I was just so impressed with the size. I did not know like some sort of deer-like creature of this size existed. And then, I don't know, I was, I, first of all, I like love deer. I love anything with horns. I love anything (laughs) that have hooves with horns. And... (laughs) I was like, you know, I would basically choose a deer, but recently I saw the Eland taxidermy animal and I was just like, whatever that is, I want to be it. Are they taller in than you? Life. It's like, I think maybe the size of its whole neck to head is this my size. Oh, <laughs> like wow. the whole like head and neck was like probably the size of like my like my height, which is like five, five. Honestly, it was so much bigger than a horse it was like oh, size. so big like yeah status yeah that's cool that's cool does that go back to your miyazaki days at all <laughs> honestly probably because i think that's why i was just like oh in princess mononoke the deer god is such yeah. a big yeah. deal that it probably yeah, yeah. subconsciously went into my brain and i also loved bambi so uh-huh, yeah. uh-huh. okay yeah very cool All right. Well, we like to end each episode with asking our guests to choose an infatuation. An infatuation is anyone in the Asian community that you admire. They could be living or deceased. Michelle Lamb, who is your infatuation? So, I mean, I feel like my answer usually would be my grandparents, but I feel like, you know, I've already, I'm just like, I already drew you guys so much in my books and comics. I need to, I need a different answer for once. So this time I will say Jen M, who's like a YouTuber. Uh She's a person who kind of just honestly just shares stuff about her life and just, Mm -hmm. I don't know, lives life and talks about the things that she learns. And it's very simple. It's nothing crazy and it's pretty mundane. But I feel like that type of mental health and stability is something I aspire to have to just, I don't know, just appreciate life and not really have anything too wild going on i guess super relatable you know she's very cool you know you can tell that she's just a cool girl too but yes very relatable she just had a baby right yeah and she's just i feel like she's just a very balanced person and she i don't know i just like that balanced feeling and i've always felt like you know i'm like on this extreme i'm on that extreme i don't know which I mean, side a, to be on and i'm a just moving like target for yeah. sure yeah no she so. seems to she seems to have some stuff figured out and she's just really popular and beautiful yes. and successful it's really exactly cool. yeah. like i would just love to be in that like 
I don't know. I obviously I don't know what goes on beyond behind the screen of like people online, right. of course. Yeah. But know. from what I am assuming so far, it seems like her life is pretty stable and it's peaceful. Yeah. And I'm like, I strive for peace. Now. <laughs> All right, we like to manifest. So, Jen, if you ever want to come on the Infatuation Podcast, give us a call. You know where to find us. Yes. So, <laughs> yes. come on, Mich- uh, Michelle Lamb picked you as an Infatuation. That means you got to come on. Now, that's how it works. That's how it works. Michelle, this has been really fun. I, I wish you the best of luck with your book. Thanks for coming on and chatting with us about all kinds of different things. Yeah, thank you so much again for having me. It was a pleasure talking to both of you about, you know, life and art and everything everywhere all at once. Yeah. Do you have a celebration plan for uh, Tuesday? Um, Not on Tuesday, but on that Saturday, March 25th, we're going to be having a release party at Vroman's Bookstore in Pasadena. So if you're in the area, come check it out. All right. Say that one more time. Which bookstore? Vroman's Bookstore in Pasadena. All right. So come meet Michelle in person. Get your copy signed. Wear some horns. What else should they do? They should bring a... What else is in the book? Let me think. Let me think. Bring some. What food are you going to have there? You have any food or anything? Uh, honestly, if people brought like boba or some sort of there like fruit tea, <laughs> that's kind of like a drink that I made up as a demon form. But the it's lava really boba. Kind yeah. Of boba. <laughs> yeah. There you go. Yeah. See another subtle nod to culture. I love yeah. it. I love it. All right. So everyone go get a copy of the book. You know where to get it. Uh, go hit up Michelle on Instagram at MewTripled or, of course, watch her YouTube videos if you want to learn about art school, about making it as an artist in Hollywood, those sorts of things. Lots of good topics there. Uh, and of course, Michelle, do you have a do you have an art station, too? Unfortunately, not. But I, no, should I, I, I don't. I don't maybe have I should make one eventually. <laughs> You know, actually, my favorite videos, Michelle, are your Draw With Me videos. Oh, well, thank you so much. I'm so glad that you actually enjoy watching me draw and talk. No, it's so relaxing. Yeah, it's it's definitely relaxing, and you're just really good. You're just really good, too. Oh, well, thank you. Thank you. Uh, So, yeah, everyone follow Michelle and... My guy Hayden the Woo, you got to follow yeah. him too on Instagram. Uh, Michelle, have you ever seen any of Hayden's videos? They're crazy. No, I, I'm literally going to have to stalk him after this, which I am going to do. Everyone should. Yeah, everyone go stalk Hayden at Hayden the Woo, W U, on Instagram and TikTok. And soon, yeah, can we announce this? U- we're going to be on YouTube soon. We haven't <gasps> told, we have told literally nobody about it. Well, we now have, everyone knows. Yeah. We do have a team. It's been really fun, experimenting, but it's also just we we have a bunch of stuff we're going to talk about. Um, we're not ready to talk about what we're going to talk about yet, <laughs> but you can assume it's probably going to pull from all the weird, absurd things that I've done in my career, from yeah. video games to pro sports to drawing to you know pop culture in general. It's going to be a weird time. That's going to uh, gonna be out. so exciting. Are we going to talk a little biology? Can I come on and talk some Dude, biology? Dude, I <laughs> failed biology, and you're the one who failed me. He gave me an F. I had to go to summer school, and he was my summer school teacher. <laughs> oh no, I, no, I didn't do that. No, I wasn't your summer school teacher. I I didn't teach that session, but uh, oh, yeah. Oh, no, that was Miss Peters. Miss Peters gave me an F, and then she was also my summer school teacher. Yeah, Sorry, yeah. I failed most of my classes. <laughs> no, you failed my class. I just didn't teach you in summer school. Oh, yeah. Oh, you had the intern that year. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but anyway, everyone, 
Aiden. Go check out Hayden as well. We got to do a catch up episode with Aiden. We, Hayden, we got a lot of things to talk about. So about. much has happened. I don't. It's like, oh God, I'm very stressed in the best way. So it's going to be good times. We're going to talk to Hayden soon, everyone. So stay tuned. Uh, you know how to write to us. We are at infatuationpodcast at gmail.com. And you can follow us on Facebook and Instagram at The Infatuation Podcast. And, of course, you're listening to us on some platforms. So whatever platform you're listening to us, hey, if they give you a chance to give us a rating, can you give us a five-star rating? None of this one-star garbage. Yeah. Can you give us a five-star on Spotify or What the heck are you guys Apple doing Mus- back there for? Come on. <laughs> Come on with the one-star. Um, yeah, but say, thanks thanks for, uh, for listening, everyone out there. And on behalf... Of Michelle, Hayden, and myself. We hope that you're all happy and healthy and safe out there. We will talk to you again soon and bye. Bye. Thank you so much. Later. And that's a wrap. Thanks, guys. That was fun. Thank you so much for having me. This was a really fun podcast to do. <laughs> Great. I'm glad you had fun. Uh, yeah, I really enjoy. And I wasn't just gassing. I really enjoy your content. So thanks for oh, making Oh, thank that. you. I really appreciate it. I'm really looking forward to like checking out this podcast and also Hayden's eventual YouTube channel. So awesome. Same, same, same. All right. So good luck and we'll, we'll talk to you soon. Hey, it sounds like I, we forgot to mention, but you know, it sounds like there's a sequel in the works or at least in your head. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I'm working on it. Right. I just worked on it this morning. So. All right. Hey, oh, wait, so. Michelle, what are you painting in? Oh, sorry. What was that? What are you painting in? What am I? I'm painting in Photoshop. Photoshop? Or, oh. Oh, so it's Photoshop and a mix of like Clip Studio Paint for whenever I don't want to pay Photoshop subscription. <laughs> no, dude, it keeps going up every yeah. year too. And, and Clip Studio Paint's also kind of like turning into subscription too. So uh, I don't know. Everyone, yeah. Dude, I painted in like I painted in Photoshop for like ten years, and I've recently switched to Procreate, and it only has like five buttons, but. <laughs> Damn, those are some really polished yeah, buttons. Procreate is definitely a great like alternative. Although I will say that it's harder to work on larger files. Oh that, yeah, yeah. But next like, to impossible. It's good for my Instagram comics for sure. sure. Yeah, it's like it's in that it's in that category of like, oh, this is a square canvas, so I'm not going to take it super seriously. It's like that's the feeling that yeah, I get when I open exactly. Procreate. Exactly. There's no pressure. Yeah. Mm-hmm. It's like oh, I can't mask by like 500 things and add a link layer and then put it into the you know it's. Thank God it can't. Yeah. But then also, like, you make a document that's like 4K and it just crashes. Yeah, yeah, yeah exactly. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> All mm. right. Well, thanks, Michelle, for your time. We will talk to you soon, I hope. Yes, yeah, same. I hope to speak to you guys again soon, too. And I'll yeah, see you later. For me, too. Like, yeah, keep in touch. <laughs> yeah. Be at yeah. a conference sometime, probably. Yes, for sure. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Look each other up. All right. I'll yeah. uh, see you guys later. Thanks, Hayden. Thanks, Michelle. All right, thank you, and good night, guys. Bye. Later, gamers.